0: Daniel here. Oh, all right. <clears throat> I think I found a a good source for jokes. I kind of like all of these I've heard so far. The uh, sad thing is I think I'm on the last one of that group, so now I've got to search for more in the future. So, the kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom as the children drew pictures. The teacher would occasionally walk around and see each child's artwork. As she approached one little girl who was working especially hard, she asked what the drawing was. The little girl told her, I'm drawing God but sweetie the teacher replied no one actually knows what God looks like automatically the little girl continued drawing and said well they certainly will in a minute (laughs) there you go Ah. thank God for joke sites because I don't have good ones (laughs) As many of you can attest to and bear witness to. Ah uh, Amen. All right. So So last week. Start there. Russell's got this cool thing now in the back where he can play with the all the little controls up here, back there, and make me ring, or so on. No, if you hear things, he's taking care of it. You just won't see it now. <laughs> yeah, just disregard the man behind the curtain. <laughs> um. So last week. We were talking about pursuing more, right? And and many of you stood up and made a declaration that that you want the more that God has for your life. And uh, just kind of in, in recapping, you know we talked about a couple of things that more is best pursued from heavenly places seated with Christ Jesus, right? It's not about finding um, just good solutions for the world's problems. It's about finding heavenly solutions. It's about finding those solutions which go above and beyond anything that the world has to offer. Because that's what we were created for. Um, We talked about a biblical pursuit of more will always meet with resistance and counterfeit. It's not a, a, an expectation so much as this often happens, okay? When we begin pressing in and the enemy recognizes that, he's threatened. He, he recognizes often, far sooner than we do, the threat that we are to the kingdom of hell. For the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to meet with resistance. Um, and, and we're going to meet with counterfeits. We talked about the fact that more is a powerful tool and the back door for leading people to Christ and the transformation of a nation. We talked about taking back the seven mountains, you know, being the, the, the way that a nation is changed. Um, you know, by nurturing the people's de- people's desire for more in the pursuit of their their God given dreams and visions, the things that that, that just cry out that, uh, and. Uh, Things people that God put on their heart to pursue. We talk about pressing in beyond, again, just good solutions into God-ordained solutions. And like Moses, not wavering when the world tries and even seems to duplicate what God has inspired, right? But rather unflinchingly, pressing in and going beyond until the world recognized recognizes that what is coming for is no less than the finger of God. And then finally, and really kind of the, our starting point was just recognizing that those who died for this nation, as we, we celebrated Memorial Day last weekend, ultimately died for one of two reasons, for freedom and the desire for more. And, and one ultimately... Can lead to the other, and does. However, the same can be, oops, the same can be uh, said of those of the Christian faith who have gone before us, with Christ be- beginning with Christ Himself. Right? Christ went before us. Those who came before us went on to glory having the same hope for more for each and every one of us. In the same way that that we desire to press in as high and as far and as deep as we can into Christ so that the next generation can achieve and go even farther. You know, this this was these are the hopes of generations who have gone before us. And, and Christ led the way. You know, his desire was that the works he did, we would do greater. You know, this was this was his expectation and desire for you. Not that it could happen. Not that, oh, we might get lucky and maybe he'll just come down and boom, do something. He desired that each and every one would press in for the more so that they could see the greater works coming through their own hands. You know next weekend we have a great demonstration and you're going to hear testimony from um, from the Carlsons of, of the things that God has been doing. They've just recently celebrated their, was it 300? No. How many services? Thousands. one thousand servants. Uh, from the point in time when, when God just kind of came in And we like to say revival broke out, but it was essentially they were pressing in for more and God just broke out. They didn't set out to do a thousand services in a row, in which oftentimes they have been almost without wavering meeting night to night to night. It wasn't something that they said, hey, this is a good idea. It was something God inspired and People just continue to come and say, what must we do to be saved? And God has been working in signs and in wonders and in miracles. And people are coming and they're getting healed. And you're going to hear some of that. You know, it's just one of those things that you get to taste. It's one of the reasons we bring people in so that you can taste and see what God is doing and desire even more than the more that you desire. If that makes sense. And then Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, essentially tells us this, that God gave us the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Those who have gone before us, this is what their, their heart is, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ Jesus. This is the desire of those who have gone before us. Right? That we attain freedom and more of being equipped for service to the building up of the body of Christ. This is their heart for us. This has been, people have poured in hours and hours and days and even years collectively of prayer for you to that end, that you would be equipped and attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of God to a mature man. This is the heart of those who have gone before us. This is the cry of generations that comes behind us, compelling and pushing us forward. What I find interesting and even a little bit daunting is the fact that when you, when you look at the fact that not only he want, does God want a unity of the faith, not only does he want us walking in unity, but there, there is this desire expressed <clears throat> of attaining the unity of faith, the knowledge of God to a mature man or to a mature person. Okay? And if you go on in that verse, it says the measure of the stature, literally the maturity, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This is what Christ desires formed in you. That can seem a little intimidating depending on our view of Christ, depending on our view of what it means to live a pure life. And it begins, as Tim was telling us just a little bit ago, it begins and ends with the cross of Jesus, his death and his resurrection and the price paid for us. But yet, that is still his desire. And the degree to which it may be intimidating probably probably corresponds with what he has yet to do in us. The things which he he has yet to do, to to see filtered out of us. The things which he has to to place into us, so that we can see, so that we can taste and see and desire and say, yes, that's where I'm going. So that we can see that that is possible, because it is his spoken heart. So how do we position ourselves for more? More. Right Um, to to pursue and to receive more. Um, I want to start with this. I need a volunteer. Actually, I need several volunteers. Your hand came up first, so you, young lady, get to come stand right about here and face that. Okay. Now, I need... uh, One, two, come on up. Three, four, five. Okay, come on up. You're one of them. You raised your hand, you're one of them. Alright? Alright, so you stay here. The rest of you come and grab. Hold on, there's more. Now wait, 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 wait. There you go. Alright, you got one?
1: Thankfully, Pastor Fred it. went to the
0: dollar store and got the cheap kind. Yes, I did.
1: Which I'm very grateful for. Yep. <laughs> all right. now
0: You got a pool, right? Okay, this is going to be yours. Yeah. Yours. Well, you're welcome. So, I want them to wrap you up good, so you need to be able to breathe. Put your snorkel in. All right.
1: Get ready.
0: Breathe yes. through your mouth and all right, cover her.
1: <laughs> her teeth are missing. <laughs> I hope so
0: there you go. There you go. You can breathe. Wrap her up.
1: Okay, you gotta be gentle about this. In in uniform.
0: Oh my gosh. We could be here a lot.
1: I don't think they would survive teepeeing a house here. <laughs> uh, uh, it might help that you go around. We should not be here. We here. We're just yeah. giving her actually a you're new hairdo. You <laughs> you guys how to I want TP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys Continue, would be no? great costume designers. No, no,
0: no, no, no. Keep going.
1: Keep going.
0: We're spending all morning doing this.
1: Um, around her.
0: Around, around. At
1: least we're on YouTube like around I feel
0: like <laughs> this is kind of painful. Here, Jackson. Keep going around. There. Keep going around, Jackson.
1: There. It is a wonderful idea, Russ. Walk around in a circle. Alright, well, when you you're on the toilet paper, you can sit down.
0: If you're out here. The best day. Grab ever. that one. Keep going. I'm Keep going.
1: Feet.
0: Obviously, we need a lesson in toilet paper. I
1: need the to be the nope. All right, if you're done with your toilet paper,
0: you may have a seat. I
1: think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, it's the opposite.
0: Yes. <laughs> so sure Nobody got that. Thank you for the part yeah. Yeah. i Cause
1: Cause oh. Oh. I'm You still crazy myself. just covered all my teeth. Hopefully, not. I want
0: to it think you are you
1: you're you're out, Okay, drop it and yeah. off you go. Thank you're you. Thank you. you oh, yeah, you go the left oh. way. The left is better. Also, oh, where's her squirrel? Keep alive.
0: In hey, we'll do that yeah, I guess this is kind of pointless at this point.
1: Yeah,
0: you still breathing under there? Yes.
1: Okay. okay. Cover, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's pretty good. Alright. All <laughs> <of ever. laughs> Alright. All
0: Wonderful. The back
1: back Can you
0: hear me? Good. You may stop, Jackson. Just go ahead and
1: I don't
0: think they want to. We can't find it anymore. <laughs> well, Thank you. That will do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right.
1: I'll How are you doing under there? Here's a pole.
0: Good. All right. Can you?
1: <laughs>
0: if I asked you. All right. Go sit down. Thank you. All right. Now, assuming this was actually two or three ply, do you think she'd be able to do much? Yeah, maybe. Other than playing a coffee. If I asked her to, if I put a tray in her arms and said, hey, go serve drinks, would she be able to effectively do it? Can, not. Can you get yourself loose? <laughs> okay. Very good. The snorkel is yours. You've earned it. Thank you. So is the, uh, yep, yeah, they're yours as well.
1: Not right now. I know it's very tempting. It's similar to a pile of leaves here. <laughs>
0: so, whoa. Well, don't walk over there. Russell stuff. So, we'll come back to that in a moment. So, throughout the years, God has, as with many of you, talked to me as I go by clocks, or as I go by, especially my night clock, um, I'll see the same sequence of numbers, and then I see the same number uh, or the same time throughout the day, and and usually he's speaking to me. And I've just gotten used to this. And so when I begin seeing something on a frequent basis, I start asking, God, what are you trying to speak? And through the years, and even recently, this is a number that has been, coming back to 11:44. Now I know from personal experience that when God begins showing me 11:44, he's he's speaking to me directly from John chapter 11 and verse 44. Okay? John 11:44 says this. And it comes right on the heels. Okay? Jesus has just come back. He has just called forth Lazarus from the tomb. He had been in there for several days. And <clears throat> says, The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And so, historically, when God has spoken this thing to me, it has usually come on the heels of God having spoken resurrection power or spoken light into dead areas of my life. Okay? And so often I will I'll I'll see this and I'll pull it out and I'll go, oh yeah, thank you. You have been speaking that. Or sometimes it's a reminder because I know he's spoken life, but I don't feel like he spoke in life. I don't see the manifestation of it. And so he gives me this as encouragement. In fact, oftentimes, it, it, it would precede it would be preceded with a period of seeing eleven twenty two, and And He automatically takes me to John eleven twenty two. Same story. And, and in this part of the story, Martha is saying to Jesus, even now, I know that God will give you anything that you yeah. ask. And so... This is this is Papa speaking to my heart and saying, "Look, continue to press in, continue to ask, because I'm about to give it. Because I know what happens in the storm." Well, this came about recently. Again, as I said, and so I pulled up my app as I typically do, my Bible app, and I read the verse and went, yeah, thank you, Jesus. No, God had just gotten done speaking some words of life. He'd been been speaking some words of resurrection power over my life. And uh, I was just about to close my app when he said, read it again. So I did so. And as I start to reread this passage, John 11.44, he says to me, Yes, I have declared resurrection power to areas of your life, which are in me, and I have declared more. Right? That sounds familiar. It should sound familiar. He's declared more over us. We, we've, we've desired to step into that. But he went on. But like Lazarus, There is a need to be unbound in order to truly live. So, what happens if Becca walks up and instead of just toilet paper, we now have cloth when we wrap it around? Right? Lazarus came out of the tomb wrapped in burial cloths. Now, I'm not going to give any historical context because I don't know the fullness there. I'm going based on what I believe Papa has given me and an uh, which seems logical based on what we read in the scriptures, that these burial calls, Jesus is saying, unbind him. Now, if they weren't hindering him, Jesus probably would have said, hey, welcome back. Let's go. Or whatever. But, but he made a point of saying, hey, unbind him. In other words, he can't function the way he needs to. Yes, he's been called forth. Yes, he is now alive. But there's an unbinding which needs to take place. You know, as we look at Becca as being our example, right? What was hindered? She couldn't see as well, she couldn't hear as well, she couldn't feel as well. You could hear. <laughs> but it, but it was but it was it's muffled when we have things over our ears. She's not gonna have a tough time with all of the senses, you get my point. She's gonna have a hard time functioning in what she's called to do until she breaks free of that toilet paper or until our dead man has the bindings removed. And there is, in some instances, at least, I believe, when there's a calling for which takes place, sometimes we can go, oh, God, you said this, but I'm really not seeing. And, And oftentimes, I want to submit to you that it may be because there are bindings that need to, to come off. There are things which keep us from seeing, from hearing, from experiencing the fullness of all that we're called to do and to be even as Lazarus being called out of the tomb was limited by those burial cloth. You know, when it
1: comes to things that may bind us, and Pastor Fred's going to get into that in just a second. Um, we are not standing before you saying we have it all together. And when we set something out to you or encourage you or like give you our testimony, it's to say to you, you know what, we are in this with you. Um, we want more. And we've gone through times when we've had to, God, undo us. <laughs> you know, we've needed prayer. We've needed counseling. We've needed the Elijah house. We've needed the ministry. We've needed prophetic words. And God uses all that. You know, the fivefold ministry that Pastor Fred was talking about, you know, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, I'm uh, probably going to miss one, uh, the pastor, <laughs> all of them are needed. To minister to you, to equip you, to build you up, to do the things that you were designed to do. And so, our encouragement to you as we continue on is to say that we understand where you are. And we are more than happy and willing to go with you.
0: And so, again, having recently that having recently experienced a level of um, expansion where I've been pressing in. Um, So God brought this word to me, but it was followed by this, and then me going, oh, what do you need to do? And Holy Spirit kind of came alongside and said, I need you to repent of this. I need you to repent for the way i you thinking, I need to repent, you need to repent for. And you went through some very specific thing for me, and I went, oh, I didn't feel it. And, uh, this has happened often through years, and it, if, if I'm honest, it happens on a somewhat frequent basis. You know, um, what does Scripture say? For all of sin, Fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't happen near as often as it used to, but if I'm keeping myself in tune with what the Holy Spirit is speaking, then I'm ready for correction, hopefully at any time. Um, so, anyway, so, so he took me through the, the, those things, and,
1: and again, so, so he was equating the things for which I needed to
0: repent my sin okay, as spiritual cloth. In the process, there were three things which he spoke to me to bring forth today in the spirit of the preparation for more, okay? Now, I want to preface it and encourage you in this manner first, okay? Um, when you prepare a meal, right, there's essentially two parts. Right, there's the gathering and the blending of food itself. Right, that all the goodies, the bacon or the the chocolate or the or the bacon or whatever there may be. Right, it usually involves bacon. Um, but then, the, then there's also the preparation of the cooking services, cooking services, the cleaning, which is essential if you want to be able to eat food which is not contaminated. It doesn't matter what goodies, what incredible meal we're making. Cleansing of, of our surfaces, the cleansing of, of um, the pots, the pans, the utensils. It's essential, or we go, I'm not so sure that I want to eat what's come forth from that kitchen. I'm not so sure that I want to eat what's come forth off of that, you know, bird food strewn pan. Because it doesn't matter how good it is, right? If, if, if there's no stuff, we don't really want to eat. And so it's just a natural part of what we do in preparation. It's also a natural part of building. You know, any any builder, and, and I am the least uh, of, of people who should be talking about building, because what I know is just a fraction. But I know this, when people are building, if they see things with defects, if they're a good builder, if they have my best, best interest at heart, for building for me, they're going to take this stuff with defects and say, no, we're not going to use that. Let's use this. This is good. Right? And so it's important. It's just a part of what we naturally do. And so looking at things like this, it's God's way of preparing for building. It's God's way of preparing us for more because he wants the people around us to be able to taste and see. He wants us to taste and see the goodness of what, the light that He's brought forth in us. The thing that He's put on top of us and wants us to walk in. So it does not come with condemnation, it does not come with beef. Okay? I um, think, I don't know what's there. Nope. Oh, wait a second. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, it's really easy to deal with sin. Uh, Nobody has to point out blatant sin. We know. We know when we're in it. We know when we need to deal with it. Because the Holy Spirit comes in to fix it. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit for me. Or for others. People don't need sin pointed out. Especially the blatant sin. And yet, we're reminded that there is sin which easily entangles. They stuff which gets in our way of running. And and so, it is imperative that we continue to um, bring things forward. It's not because I know of sin in your life. Okay? These are just things that God's put on my heart for this morning that I think hinder us on a regular basis or certainly have the, the ability to. So, Before I touch on these three areas, okay? Again, this is not about navel-gazing, looking for sin. It's bringing an awareness of things that we easily fall into and and sometimes don't even recognize. Okay? Um, So before we we do that, I simply want to pray. And if you're in agreement with this prayer at the end, just, just say amen. Okay? The Holy Spirit, it is your job to convict the world of sin and aid us in removing the things which bind us and hold us back. And keep us from walking in the fullness of all that we were created to do and to be. We give you permission to reveal anything which we may need to deal with and ask you to guard us from not trying to do your job for us. We refuse the condemnation which the enemy of our souls uses to keep us in bondage. We receive the finished work of the cross even now for the forgiveness of sins and ask for the grace to simply deal with any issues if they are present. now all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Alright. So, let me also preface this by saying this is not an in-depth look at dysfunction or sin. Okay? Any one of these things, there are many layers, and you could spend an entire morning just talking about any one of these things. We're going to breeze through them, um, but I think there are things which, which we commonly deal with, uh, which we can easily slip into as we're trying to run our race, because we live in a fallen world, and because we live with challenging people. We live with unredeemed people. We work with unredeemed people. And, and so, it's easy to fall to into these to these things. One of them being judgment. Okay? Now, again, just a, a general, very general overview of what a judgment is. As believers, okay, we are called to judge one another's actions. I can safely judge an action that I see. I, I cannot judge your heart because I don't know your heart. Okay? This, this is what we're called to do. And in their scriptural reference, at least there's a start of some scriptural references, I should say, there's one judge and his name is Jesus. And at the end of the age, um, we know that um, he talks about at the end of the age, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He talks about leaving the tares in place, the tares in the wheat. He's not going to pull up the tares because he doesn't want to pull up the wheat the process, okay? And so, we're called to judge actions, but we're called to be very cautious and and to not judge people. One of the scriptures, um, you know, in Matthew 7 there, you know, even says, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged. By the standard you measure, it will be measured to you, okay? So often we, we tend to judge or we can fall into this, this sin of judgment Cross that line as not the only instance, but often as we're dealing with people in authority. Okay? So placing judgment on others is not questioning what people may do. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. Because there are a lot of things that go on around us and in our nation and and in our circles that needs to be questioned. That needs to happen. And we're called to do that. That's part of being salt and light. This is not not judgment. Okay? Rather, it is drawing a conclusion about another person, which may or may not be true, and often does not line up with the heart of God. In, in, In terms of It's not seeing people prophetically the way God sees them and declaring them as something which they are not. That's where judgment comes in. For example, okay, uh, Pastor Fred is a horrible pastor who holds this church back from thriving. That's a judgment. Now, there may be truth mixed in there, okay, um, that I have made mistakes as a pastor, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, and have there been times where I've made decisions which have held things back from thriving? Yeah, that's probably true as well. But the judgment that I'm a horrible pastor and that I'm keeping the church from thriving, that, that is that is not true. Because it's not God's best for me. It's not how God created me. Um, do you follow what I'm saying here? Okay. Um, you got anything to add there?
1: Well, when it when it comes to judgments, it's just you just need to be aware of you know, maybe your thought patterns and how, you know, when you're thinking about somebody, I know like I have struggled with like a critical mindset, you know, like I don't even know a person and they walk through the door and I'm like, oh well, geez, you know and, and part of my issue also was a comparison. Thing. Yeah, you know, when you struggle with comparing yourself to other people, I know I found myself um, struggling with judging a person. Like, you know, like a, I'm feeling intimidated, and so I'm saying in my head, well, this person is just a real loudmouth, arrogant jerk. And they're probably not that way, but if I receive that in my heart or my spirit, every time I meet that person, that's the way I'm going to see them. And then they might think that way about me because as the scripture says, you know, as you judge, you will be judged. So, you know, probably anything out of my mouth to this person would be in the opposite direction. They would think that I'm probably a a loud mouth jerk. However, I, you know, uh, see them. So, you know, God is able to, uh, you know, redeem you from all that. And so there's hope. But, you know, being just uh, remotely aware of that is, is critical. And so when you find yourself getting into this thought pattern or the a self-talk of, like, this person always does this or I will never do that, um, sometimes we, you know, we judge our parents and how they raised us. You know, have you ever said to yourself, I'm never going to do this to my kids like my mom did to us. And then you find yourself doing to your kids what your mom did to you or your dad. <laughs> it's not just exclusively all a mom. <laughs> but you guys, I mean, I see some smiles on your faces, so you guys understand where I'm coming from. It's just to just be mindful of those kind of things, because whether you realize it or not, those thought patterns, those judgments, those ways of viewing other people hinder your relationships. And when those kind of things are no longer there, your relationships change, which is a whole other thing altogether. But there you go.
0: It's very easy to do.
1: Again, oh, sure.
0: And I, I can attest, probably, probably with a fair amount, if not most of the bosses I have had at work throughout. The year making judgments about how they are, how they're always going to act, how they're always going to do. And it's not right. It's not what I've been put there to do. They may make mistakes, and I may not be happy about that, and that's fine. But I also need to leave room for grace, for forgiveness. And I'm also put there that when I'm seeing them struggle, to come alongside, to even potentially say, hey, I see you're struggling with this. Um, What can I do to help? And get under them and push up. This is what we're called to do. But it's easy, especially when people just take us off. People do stupid things. Right? So do we. And so do we. I'm sure I have done this to numerous people throughout the year. Sometimes it's just a matter of personalities, the way we grow up, and so on and so forth, where it's easy to fall into this mindset. Um, but the bottom line, again, is not so much it's wrong as it will hinder you from the pursuit of hope. So you may be struggling with making judgments, ungodly judgments. Okay, if you are if you're using the word always or never when describing others or their actions. Okay. You may be struggling with uh, ungodly judgments. If you find yourself reacting negatively in a person's presence or at the very mention of them, it, it might be something that that's there that you need to ask the Holy Spirit about. Uh, if you expect negative behavior, as Michelle was talking, you expect ne- negative behavior coming from a person or negative outcomes, like you expect a person to fail, okay? That's, that's not God's part. for them. I don't care who they are. You know, uh, as Melissa, you know, she was giving the word several, several weeks ago to the youth and, and was encouraging them and hearing God's voice and saying, you know, listen, God's voice is going to be encouraging, edifying. It's going to build up. It's going to, to basically see how God sees them, regardless of who that person is regardless of the outcome that we see before. That's the challenge before us, and, it, and it's more challenging sometimes than others.
1: Um, if I could just say something real quick. There's hope. Yeah. <laughs> there is hope that things can get better and that you can renew your mind and things can't change. Uh, sometimes we get stuck into a rut or a pattern of thinking like, you know, this is the way it's always going to be, it's never going to change. However that is. You gotta choose. I mean we have a choice, and I've often preached about this, is you have a choice to make a change. Same thing with this, with mindsets, all those other kind of things. There is hope for change. And Jesus is the one that ushers the door or opens the door for that change.
0: Yeah, and again, um These are things that He put on my heart, largely because these are things I have struggled with routinely throughout the year. And so, um, again, it's just one of those things to be aware of and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything there? If something immediately comes to mind, then we deal with it. Okay? This is one example of how to deal with it. There's no precise way, okay? But here's how we right the wrong. Lord Jesus... Forgive me for making the judgment that, insert the name here, uh, will always never do this or is all it, or is a certain way, whatever judgment we've made. I do not know their heart or intentions, and though they have failed in the past, I pray that you would help them to thrive and succeed by your grace. You alone are their judge, and I release them to you now in Jesus' name. It, it's just that simple. You know, we remove ourselves from being judge and jury in other people's lives, and all of a sudden, the judge can come in and do what he needs to in their lives. Sometimes we stand in the way from people progressing and succeeding because we're trying to lord over them uh, with a mindset, with an attitude. And so that's the other thing. Just simply by us stepping out of the way, it allows a greater flow for them to receive Unhindered by us. All right, quickly moving on. Unforgiveness was the second thing that he dropped in. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15 says, If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Okay? Um, It's really pretty simple, at least on the surface. Um, We're called to forgive. And if we hold others' sins bound, they're held bound. But rest assured that if we do that, we're binding ourselves every bit as much as we're binding those sins. And in truth, a person can receive forgiveness directly from the throne of grace and don't need them. But there is still a bondage which we put them in by living in unforgiveness.
1: Well, and unforgiveness binds us too.
0: Right. Correct. So, forgiveness, I'm just going to read a, a little excerpt from a book which I like. Forgiveness is simply refusing to make yourself someone's judge and jury for their past sin, hurt, or offense. It's choosing to release them to God's judgment instead. When we choose to forgive, we are simply stepping out of the way so that God can deal with the person. And because we are stepping out of the way, we also find we are free to focus on the people and the things that really matter. It's not saying that they should not be held accountable. We can hold people accountable and still forgive them. There's a whole list of things, okay, that, you know, what forgiveness is not versus what it is, but it is simply releasing them. Having said that, um, and because I also know, you know, one of my greatest, one of the things that grieves me, has grieved me throughout the years when I counsel with people, is when I hear coming from their mouth, um, I will never forgive so and so for this or I can never forgive so-and-so for that. And, and listen, it doesn't grieve me because I think, well, mm, you are so wrong. It, it's not that. It's, oh my God, this this is binding you. It's binding you powerfully, and it's keeping you from moving on. And my point is this. It's not easy. There are circumstances. The murder of a loved one... Uh, and so on and so forth. We, we can think of all these horrible things which people can do, right? And it's not always easy. So I want to, again, I told you I'd be brief, and so we're going to move on, but if there is anyone who is struggling with unforgiveness here, I have a book for you, okay? Chapter 6 is really good, and it talks about forgiveness. So I want you to see me at the end of service. Because I felt like I was to bring a couple of copies of this, so that if that's you, okay, listen, you can know that you're supposed to forgive and still not want to do it and not do it, okay? But there's there there are so many good reasons, and they're all scriptural and they're all God to do that to release them to Him, so that He can be judge and jury over whatever that person has done to wrong. All right. So see if that's you. see me after Finally, okay is unbelief. Um, All disbelief. This will be. It is choosing to believe a lie over the truth. Okay. Now you can say, well, okay, is it really thin? Not belief. And that could be argued one way or the other. And I'm not here to split here. What I can tell you is this. Adam and Eve didn't believe God. And it led to sin. At times when we're not believing God and stepping into what He's telling us to do or asking us to do, whether great or small, is disobedient, which is sin. And I'll go so far to say this. When you refuse to believe who He has created you to be, as a son or a daughter of God, when He has spoken that to you, and yet you refuse to believe that, that that too is sin or leads to sin. At the very least, it's going to hinder you. Again, there is no condemnation whatsoever here. You no, know, you've often heard me say faith is spelled R I S K, but action is required. Right? Action is required for us to step into faith. But we cannot take action on what we're not choosing to believe in the first place. Our relationship with Christ is one of trust. We come to a place where we receive this sacrifice that He made for us. Like, all right, now what? And, and then it's progressive. It's, it's progressively seeing these things unravel and torn off of our eyes. And, and many of us can relate to that. There's been things, you were born again, and then God had to remove some stuff. And then He wants to take you higher from glory to glory. And you go, oh, didn't know that was there, and He has to remove some stuff or help. Have others, even as Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, speaks resurrection life. The rest of you, unbind him. This is what we're called to do for one another. It's the way we're called to look at one another.
1: Yeah, and it's that whole point. You know, Jesus asked them to unbind him. And so that was kind of what I was saying at the beginning, that you are not in this alone. That, you know, God has given, has taught a lot of us as leadership, imparted, you know, crazy good things for your freedom. And if you haven't experienced it already, um, we'd be more than happy to introduce you, but it's basically all just Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But it's coming alongside and making, not making you, but just having you guys know that you're not alone.
0: James 21.22 says, prove yourselves doers of the word, right? Not merely hearers who delude themselves. And along the same lines, and, and the reason you'll, you'll hear me frequently touch on this topic from various angles, okay? Is it's the mindset. What is our mind set on? Because what your mind is set on, how you believe. Brings life or it brings death. No, the mindset on the flesh brings death, the mindset on the spirit brings life and peace. And so, I continue to hammer away because this has been so important in my own life. The way I'm thinking, what I'm choosing to believe, what I'm choosing to believe about myself, what I'm choosing to believe about Him preeminently. But then what I choose to believe about each and every one of you, it affects my relationship with you. If I'm not believing the best about you, okay, then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Hey, why are you believing that about Pete? He's a good guy. I like him. Pretty awesome. You should see what he can do. And I have to revisit that. And he's faithful to show me. When God gave us the Lord's Prayer, okay, when Jesus was asked, "How do we pray?" One of the things which he said was, "Pray like this," right? And and we've taken it and formed it into a literal prayer which uh, we repeat. Some people repeat daily and routinely, and so on and so forth. But when you when you really listen to that prayer, you realize a few things. Um, one, he's telling us. These are the things that ought to be on our heart on a daily basis. Give us this day our daily bread, right? He's telling us, "I want you to intercede on these things on a daily basis." You know, I want you to intercede, trust, not beg. Okay, but but keep in mind. But he also says, in that same context, to forgive others and, and ask. and we're asking for forgiveness. You may not have things you need to to ask forgiveness for on a daily basis. And it's not about beating your chest and saying, oh, woe is me. I have all these things and looking for things to confess. Okay? Been there, done that, wore that t-shirt out years ago, not going back. It's no fun. It really isn't. It's a drag, And it's death. However, I believe... The heart of what Jesus is saying is keep us coming to him on a daily basis and saying, Look, if there's anything in, in me that hinders me coming closer to you and, and drawing near, then then I'm trusting you to reveal it. And if not, then let's just hang out. Let's just hang out. But there is sin which he's means hanging. And we need to just be aware of those things. These are simply three things. You could probably add a whole laundry list of other things which we which we slip into, but it's not what we're here for. You get the point, you know. At the end, <clears> he <throat> saw the, the the reaping and the sowing. You know, when when we sow something, we're going to reap it. That's scripture. When we sow something small, if it doesn't hit the crop, okay, we're going to reap it in a larger form. The same way that you put a seed in the, in the ground and when you go to reap, you've got this big plant and the fruit. No matter what it is, when something is sown small, it grows and it comes back at us. So when we do not forgive, when, when we sow judgment towards others, so on and so forth, those things boomerang boomerang back at him. But the cross. But for the cross. All of those things can be canceled out. And that's the good news. It's all about Jesus Christ. And just keeping an awareness who he is and what he does in our lives. And it's what we're going to finish by commemorating this morning as we dismiss